High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, threes, tens, and all the numbers in between. Oh, and an extra special shout out to you water park employees out there this summer. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends talk about our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, believe it or not, summer school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. And if you're lucky, and I'm in a good mood, this might be your last summer school assignment, and you might finally become sophomores. I'll determine that at the end of this episode, but first... While your homework goes a long way to your grade, did you do your homework? Did you listen to last week's episode on Never Going Back? It was a really fun one, a really good one, I thought. And of course, our guest last week, and we thank him so much, is the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski. Guess what? Godfather's back this week to talk about today's film, which was your other homework assignment, to watch The Way Way Back. And joining the godfather this week is... The, I don't know, the man of so many titles, the resident senior, the student teacher, the teacher's assistant, the resident historian, Michael Manzi is also here, the originators of this whole network, the Cage Club Podcast Network. Speaking of the Cage Club Podcast Network, that's where we're featured, that's what team we're on, that's where we're on, and part of your homework every week is to check out all the other great shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Of course, you can also find us on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And again, maybe the biggest and baddest homework assignment that I mandate you do, or I ask you to do, mandate sounds too harsh, is to get John Cusack to unblock us on Twitter. I'm kidding. Well, not really. But it is to give us a five-star rating, write us a review, and very, very importantly, to tell a friend about all the wonderful things that are happening on High School Slumber Party. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Plus, what's your rush? Don't you want this summer to continue forever, the endless summer? Pretty soon it's going to be fall. I don't know if you want to be sophomores. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pressure. That famous sophomore slump or infamous sophomore slump 
We don't want to get into that. I think it's going to be a fun year, but hey, you got to pass summer school before that even happens. Let's see what else. Oh, of course, don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow our Instagram, High School Slumber Party. I love the class participation. It's super, super, super important for your grade. Plus, it's nice to know that there's love out there. Nice to get the hugs from you guys. Again, you could also email me, too. I will answer at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. Pretty easy, pretty simple. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to the way, way back. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. So let's take it away with REO Speedwagons. Can't fight this feeling. Class dismissed. So I got the A team together here, the uh, the OG Cage Club Masters, to to end our summer with, to maybe like a little summer block party. I'm not sure, but this is this is gonna be a fun one. I think I'm really jacked up for it. Uh, Lemons, Mike Manzi, we're here together. <laughs> Good to be back. Good to be back. Hello, hello. Now uh, this is a. I'm finding out slowly that this is a polarizing film. Seems like mm. seems like a lot of people either loved it or hated it. I think maybe we might fall somewhere in between today. It was on a lot of top ten lists at the end of that year. Um, but I've even heard the term, and I think I said this to Joey off air, that some people have called this film the way, way overrated. So, Ouch. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a hurtful slander here. So uh, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Right off the bat, let's dive in. You guys know how to do this. You guys know the drill. Intros. <laughs> Age um, before beauty, Mike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, hey, what's up? It's Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97. That's right. 1897. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go Maroons. I'm Joey Lewandowski, 100 and Central Regional High School class of 2006. Go Red Devils. Second week in a row, I got to rep my hometown, sort of, kind of, a little bit. 
you're always repping your hometown. You're like, oh, man, I'm so proud of my Red Devil heritage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually dressed in all red right now, accidentally, wearing uh, red shorts, which I do not wear out of the house because they look crazy, <laughs> and uh, my Mike Trout Angel shirt. So all red every day. When you said that, I pictured you in like a 1990s Chicago Bulls uniform, like with the headband and everything. So I wish you didn't describe it because I, I preferred that way. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You can cut that out. You can let the, you know, theater of the mind for the audience. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in. So, okay. so recently I've been saving the Rotten Tomatoes for the end when we rate it because I don't want it to influence too much, but... I decided to do it at the beginning because I already said that it's polarizing. I mean, not originally, though. So this is 84% by both the critics and audience. Okay. Even scores. The consensus, at the time at least, and if it's been written about since, I'm not sure, was a solid B. So, I mean, let's go into it, though. Uh, did you say what name of the movie is? I know you did it probably in the intro, but did you say it in the episode? Oh, I should say it now. You're right. I said The Way Way did... Overrated, but I didn't say yeah. what it's called. <laughs> the Way Way Back. 2013's The Way Way Back. And this film really, to me, is... It reminded me of another film you guys actually talked about on a podcast that's long forgotten, I think, but still lives, still lives on in the... In the, the Monkey his, Club? <laughs> not Monkey Club. <laughs> I wish I had a good Monkey all Club. All his movies? Yes, all his movies. And not specifically the movie, but I've always liked the title of the film, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. I don't know if you oh, guys Oh, we talked know. about that on Shannon Tatum on Magic Mike's, yeah. too. What a god, see? Good point. I like that point. movie a lot. Yeah, no, I really like that movie. I actually saw it in the theaters, believe it or not. It might have been like... No, I've I seen it since, but I, I saw that one in the theaters. Obviously, it's a very different tone. But I've always stuck with that title, and I think it's based on a book anyway, in terms of, like, you grow up and you're idolizing all these adults, and then eventually you realize parents, relatives, or people you look, looked up to... They just don't understand. Yes, that. <laughs> but they're, they're also... They become humans, and sometimes humans can be disappointing, and, and the, it's that whole uh, struggle there. And that was kind of, like, the theme to me here. There's a lot of hijinks, there's a lot of fun, but that that's what kind of stuck out to me. When did you guys first see this film? Because this was my first watch. And what were, so, your, what were your first impressions? <laughs> Mike story. and I saw this together in theaters. Oh, that's why I wanted yeah. him, because when we were planning this, I think you had mentioned the movie to me. I'm like, oh, get me and Mike on that episode, because we saw it in theaters together. We saw Monsters University and this <laughs> back to back. Yeah, did you sne- right. did, did you sneak into this one, or did you pay for both admissions? <laughs> we paid for both admissions. I think we had time to <laughs> well, hit the food pass paid for mine. Ah. That's right. And I think you got that day. Uh, you bought like a had you had a free ticket for the, like the Justin Bieber thing, and you just oh, I left, did. Never say never. Out. I left it on the on the kiosk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was like I think the first time we started going to like see double, triple features and stuff. I think that was the first one. But yeah. So you guys saw this on 2013. Wow. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a long time ago. Um, yep. <laughs> so what were your first impressions at the time? Do you remember? Um, I liked it. I thought it was a very pleasant, nice sort of coming-of-age film. You know, at the time, I didn't think there was anything miraculous about it, but there's absolutely nothing, you know, uh, wrong with it or anything either. Um, I just thought it was a cool sort of uh, summer vacation movie. It, kind of, it reminded me a lot of that episode of The Simpsons when they go away for the summer and Lisa becomes like a totally different person and you know, <laughs> she, she gets friends and hangs out and becomes cool and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, my first impression was I liked it. Yeah, back in 2013, I loved this. It was, it, I looked at my list and I sort of have rejiggered my 2013 list a little bit since then. But this was just outside my top 10 for the year and that was when I'd seen probably... 
ooh, back then, maybe like 120-ish movies from that year. So it was pretty highly ranked. I mean, I thought, you know, at the time it was, you know, carefree and fun, and Sam Rockwell is great, and there's a lot of people that I really enjoy in this movie. It's written by Academy Award winners Nat Fax and Jim Rash, who won for The Descendants. Oh, yeah. So Definitely going to talk about are, that. You know, and, and J- Jim Rash is in the movie as a, as a mm-hmm. cool part. So there's a lot of people in here that I really liked, and I thought it was a fun little summer romp. Yeah, and I'm curious if maybe your opinions changed, stayed the same. Uh, we'll definitely get into that. If you guys are not familiar with The Way Way Back, and again, a typical summer film, do we see high school in it? No, but certainly coming-of-age story. I actually found this DVD in my mom's basement, so I can only assume that my youngest brother, who is a cinephile just like me, he's about like seven or eight years younger than me, so kind of a formative age when this film came out, and definitely bought it because he really liked it, and I guess, I mean, he didn't really take his DVD collection, so I'm assuming it's his, but here goes, reading directly from the back of the DVD. Dive into this smart, imaginative, and first-rate comedy featuring an all-star comedic cast including Steve Carell, Maya Rudolph, Tony Collette, Allison Janney, Sam Rockwell, and Amanda Peet. While 14-year-old Duncan is being dragged on a family trip with his mom and her overbearing boyfriend, he finds a gregarious friend at a local water park. The two form a powerful bond as Duncan learns to swim through the challenges of life. Ooh, see what they did there? Love, family, and friendship, resulting in a vacation he'll never forget. All right, that's, a, that's kind of a dumb one, pretty vague. But <laughs> uh, you get the picture. And as you mentioned, Joey, written by an Oscar-winning team of Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Mm-hmm. I really like these guys. They're just two actors who have appeared in a lot of things in the background have just been trying to write something for themselves. They bought the... I believe they bought the rights to The Descendants and wrote the script for themselves to be in it, and it didn't get picked up. And one of my favorites, Alexander Payne, was like, I want to make that. And he kept them on, and he kind of changed the script a little. And they got that Oscar, which... It was such a happy moment for me, because I've always really liked these guys. Jim Rash, um, I think he got most of his acting fame from Community. Yeah, And Nat Faxon, again, it just appeared in so many things. We talked about him briefly on this podcast for Orange County, and I think it was one of his first roles. He plays like a college student. And again, they're both in this film. Uh, we'll talk about them. But that's not really you know, why people came to watch this movie. It does have an all-star cast. But we're going to start with someone who maybe is not an all-star, at least not a known name. And he's our lead, Liam James. He plays Duncan, a very... uh. A very different lead because he's not commanding, but he certainly is awkward. A lot of people praised that at the time. Um, what were your thoughts about, I guess, his performance and the Duncan character overall? Um, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. And watching it again this time, I'm surprised that I, I don't I haven't seen him in anything since. I don't think so. Nothing, you know, comes to mind really, and it's a shame because uh, I think he plays awkward really well. Um, I, my favorite stuff is like him at the water park later on, but like, I do love, you know, like the opening scene with Steve Carell and him, like, I, I don't know, like he really sets the tone really well for this character. And I was sitting there going, you know, he'd be great in like a Western, he'd be great in whatever. Like, I'd love to see him do more. I just haven't. Yeah, no, it's true. Like he hasn't been in much. How about you, Joey? I think there's a reason we haven't seen him in much. I think that Anna Sophia Robb, his 
his paramour, if you will, in this movie, <laughs> has gone on to not like great acclaim, but she was young Carrie Bradshaw in the, in the Carrie Diaries, and she's been in a bunch of different things, a bunch of movies, a bunch of TV. She's readily successful. I think that he is kind of a vacuum in this movie. And so I was talking to you, Brian, before, you know, as I was watching this movie, and I was looking on Letterboxd, and I was sort of surprised to see that my favorite film critic, David Ehrlich, gave this movie one star out of five. Wow. And I was like, huh. And he basically said, this is the twee version, this is the Sundance movie that he doesn't want to see, that he was railing against Sundance and all these kind of indie movies. He later commented on his own review saying, I like Sundance now. Not about this movie, just in general, those kind of movies. But he's big problem was that this guy is sort of like a, that Liam James is kind of a vacuum, a black hole in the middle of the movie. And I think, I, I don't agree with him to that extent. I think that there is value in having a character sort of be a little bit of a blank slate for the audience and having them, like, you're in his shoes. And I think everybody who is hosting or on a podcast, a guest on a podcast, has probably felt like this kid more than they would like to admit. But... I think that there has to come a point where, like, there's a little bit of charisma, and I don't know that we ever get there with this. And separate things aside, why I like this movie a lot less this time around than the first two times I watched it, uh, I just don't know that he's necessarily great. I would like someone a little bit more charming. And I also think that part of that is not his fault, because I think his story feels super rushed. That, you know, in the beginning of the movie, Steve Carell says, the, like, the, one of the first lines of the movie is like, what do you see yourself on a scale of <laughs> 1 to 10? Duncan, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think you are? A 6. I think you're a 3. Since I've been dating your mom, I don't see you putting yourself out there, bud. You can try to get that score up at my beach house this summer. And he says, I'm a 6. He says, I think you're a 3. And so really, somewhere probably in between those two, right? Like maybe like a 4 or 5. And he is basically at a 9 or a 10 75 minutes later. And I know that it sort of spans a summer, but for how compact this movie is, the boost to his morale and self-esteem and confidence feels a little unearned. Like it feels like the whole world wants, to, wants him to succeed. And it's in a way that isn't that doesn't feel earned in a way like it does in Lars and the Real Girl, where, like, this town knows and loves Ryan Gosling, and they want him to be happy with his sex doll partner. Like, this is a, a group of people who literally just met him, or, you know, barely know him, or don't know him at all, and suddenly, like, you know, when they're popping and locking, they're all like, hey, let's make you a cool kid, and it's just, what, what is happening? So I don't think that's necessarily all his fault, is what I'm getting at. I think that his character is kind of weirdly written uh but i don't think he's good in the middle of this movie i mean i guess some of that's fair i liked his performance i, I could relate to it a lot i think like you said a lot a lot of us could especially being awkward around adults it, it is weird some of the motivations of the other characters around him but i just took it as like them making him like their uh kind of mascot for the summer a little bit it reminded me kind of of and this has been also a criticism of this film as well a film we've talked about on hoffman a lot and i might even do on this podcast almost famous routinely everyone says the worst part of almost famous is the lead and for similar reasons uh if that makes sense yeah and but i think the other problem here is that sam rockwell like steals the show from this kid too hard also like in almost famous that kid has to kind of carry that whole movie right um well, there's kate hudson's in there right and that was sort of her breakout performance and stuff but i just feel like there's a lot more of an ensemble going on in that movie and here there isn't as much you get 
you know, Tony Collette is is great and the whole Steve Carell stuff, but that's sort of like the darker, harder, dramatic side of this movie that I don't like too much. Um, I like, you know, the whole cast that's going on there we have at the water park and everything and not just like Rockwell and Jim Rash, but, um, you know, everyone else that's that's involved. And so it's tough when we have all these bright personalities, sort of all these big stars circulating this black hole of a kid. But I don't know. I, I think I think he does a good enough job. And, you know, it's not like Joey said, I don't think it's all his fault either. I think there's other issues with this movie at play that are sort of like hindering things that are supposed to land harder that just aren't hitting for me. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, we've mentioned all of them. Let's talk about the rest of this cast. Uh, Steve Carell, obviously, huge name. Um, and the benefit of having the DVD is being able to watch the special features. And there weren't too many. But uh, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon were talking on them. And they said that they cast him because they wanted someone who could lull the audience into liking that person, even though there were there were a lot of dick signs. Um, oh, not dick signs. He's an <laughs> asshole from the jump. Oh, yeah, for I don't sure. Have, dick. I don't have this fondness, because I don't like The Office. I've tried to watch The Office. I haven't gotten into The Office yet, so I don't have this affinity towards Steve Carell. I just have always sort of found him, oh, he's an actor. And so I hate him entirely. So if that's their goal, to get someone that, that you're supposed to like from the jump and sort of be on his side a little bit and see, like, oh, he's trying to help the kid through tough love. Like, I don't get that at all. Well, I because you don't like Steve Carell. I think, exactly. But I think exactly. most uh, Americans do. Well, I, I liked him. Like, I think The Office is fine, but I, I remember him from, like, Daily Show, and, you know, I like him from Anchorman. So I feel like this is very against his type of the buffoon, right? So it's the movie's trying to say, oh, look at this. Here's this guy who, you know, get ready to laugh with Steve Carell. He's going to be funny. And then it's like, wait a minute. Like he's playing a dramatic dick like what's going on here um and you know if a couple halfway through the movie it really hits hard and it's just like yeah I, I i hate this character but that's one thing i like about this movie that it's able to get me to at least like feel like this is a real character that i can hate and, and all that kind of thing but yeah and this isn't autobiographical for me me making this statement because i only recently gained a stepfather if i want to call him that but a lot of people, especially in adolescence, look at their stepfather in this kind of way and wonder, why is my mom with this guy? But uh, they wanted it, obviously she like kind of stays with him at the end. We don't 100% know what's going to happen, but they wanted... I don't know if she does. And I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't know if she does. I think her going to the back of the car, the, the way, way back, if you will, I think that's sort of like... I'm choosing my son. My son doesn't like you. And I think, I mean, we don't know, but I would say that leans more toward they're about to break up. Gotcha. I mean, just from like hearing the um, the filmmakers talk about it, it seemed like at least she was going to try to give it a shot. Because, uh, again, the casting was like supposedly so that when she does kind of stay with him at the end, so we're not just like, why the hell would she do that? And I tend to agree with you, Joey, and we could talk about the ending a little later. I think that is a big sign that maybe this isn't going to work out. But I think it's ambiguous enough where there's cases to be made on both sides. You know, she does need a ride out of Cape Cod, so it does make sense. I think the more interesting thing about his character and that dynamic is sort of the sins of the father and the daughter that he raised being an asshole, too. Like, I think that that's more of a realistic 
interesting relationship there between her and the kid as opposed to him the kid like that feels like such a like caricature of a dad but i feel like the more sort of a little bit more nuanced daughter role i think that's the more and she's not in it a ton right she's kind of in it early on and sort of sprinkled throughout but i like that i like the dynamic that they do there in terms of the family because she's sort of you know i guess intentionally so the fourth wheel on this family yeah i almost wish all the kids like including the neighbor uh kids like were in this a lot more or like all worked at the water park or were hanging out there more throughout the movie and stuff because i love that i love them about it and like i like them because of what joey just said like they're very sort of reflective of their parents and the way they're raised and stuff and you know um like the neighbors on one side with the you know she the one the blonde girl and the kid who has to wear the eye patch right like like that's such a great sort of like brother sister thing but they never get to explore being brother and sister in this movie and so i just felt like there there are these great opportunities looking at it the second time that i just wish wish they explored more and there was room for that exploration and they get there a little at that party at the end yeah they do um, the ghost crabs which is kind of close and that too yeah so they they try a little bit but it's not really what it's going for no that that's for sure um, again, as we mentioned them, Tony Collette, who famously was with Steve Carell in Little Miss Sunshine, but they were brother and sister. Uh, Sam Rockwell, Allison Janney. Famously, uh, Rachel's aunt or cousin, Rachel of famous of Too Fast, Too Forever, Joe Two's wife, is related to the Jannies. I think her mom is maybe sisters with or cousins with Allison Janney. Oh, wow. Like that. I didn't Whoa. know that. Royalty. Bringing that, that to the is, table. That is close. Wow, that's a cool fact. Anna Sophia Robb, as you mentioned, Joey. Maya Rudolph, Rob Corddry, Amanda Peet, and again, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. So big cast here, a nice ensemble comedy cast. And uh, if you think they had chemistry, I don't know if you do, but if you think they had chemistry, it was for good reason, because the filmmakers, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon, decided to save money and not get trailers for people, but just rent a house on Cape Cod and all the actors lived together throughout the filming. But I heard it was a relatively short filming. Other quick thing I wanted to read about that that was funny. Steve Carell originally didn't want to do it because apparently, at least at the time, he took his summers off to spend time with his family and not film any movies. But uh, his vacation home is actually in Cape Cod, and it was only like driving distance from where they were shooting. So he agreed to do it because he could literally just commute home. And they set it up where he only had 10 days of filming for the entire film, which, you know, that's pretty economical. Mm -hmm. But, there, you know, there's not a lot of scholarship with this film, as much buzz as it got. So we're just going to run through this and talk about it. So, I mean, we open up with that scene that you talked about already, where Steve Carell asks him what he thinks he is uh, on the number scale. And we actually see the as you said, way, way back of the station wagon. How'd you, how'd you guys think of uh, how this film begins, how we're introduced to all these characters, or the tone it even sets at the beginning? I think it does a good job of setting up the dynamics. I think that, like I was saying, it's a bit of a caricature for the dad, but you know that there's tension between the two of them. Like, I think it's kind of smart in a way that, you know, they're literally facing other ways in the car, and that there's the, the, the mom and the sister are sleeping in the car, and it's sort of a strained relationship there. And then just like his overall awkwardness just permeates everything he does. And I think it sets up him really well in the dynamic with Steve Carell well. And then I think when they arrive and then you sort of see his interactions with, you know, Allison Janney, who's already drinking and all that, all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Like, I think you get a sense of like what this is going to be like overall. Um, 
I sort of wish that we had a little... I mean, I guess we, we, we get to know the Tony Collette stuff, but I feel like that sort of takes a little bit of time to develop. And I think it's not necessarily treated like as an afterthought, but I think because it's a positive relationship, it's sort of paid second mind that they're they're stressing the conflict first. And I kind of wish we got a little bit more because, I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. We don't really get a sense of her until like a little bit later in the movie, I don't think. When do you think we do get a sense of her then? You know, the one thing that stands out in my mind, I know this is after we get that, but just the, the Candyland scene, I feel like that's when we really know exactly who she is, right? Like... It says appropriate for people four to eight, so we're good. What color gingerbread character do you want to be, Trent? Surprise me. Oh, I have to be yellow. Oh, look, you can take the shortcut there. No, no, you can't do that. Yes, he can. He crosses the bridge. This is so stupid. No, you're at the shortcut, so take it. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, okay, here we go. Shortcuts. If you're playing peace, Lance, by exact count on the purple space below Gumdrop has, then you can take the shortcut. Exact count. He picked a card with a blue square, so he has to go to the blue square. Well, I don't think it matters. If it didn't matter, they wouldn't put it in the directions. We can fudge the rule. You know what? Okay. All right, if we're going to play this way, because I'm just going like that all the way past Molasses Swamp, and I win. I win. No rules. Fine, I win the fine. game. Fine, We'll play the way you're supposed to play. Duncan, I'm just move saying, back to your correct space. Why don't we just play by the rules, and then everybody's going to be happy, okay? I already did. All right, so, great. Now take my turn, so I'm going to set the table for lunch. No, no, wait. You have to do it. Duncan can move for me. No, honey, you're the one who wanted to play, so play your turn. Purple. It's two. You have to move two purple squares. Sorry. There. And I've landed by exact count at the shortcut, so I am going to take the gumdrop mountain pass. Huh. See, you're way ahead now. It's Candyland, Trent. Your turn, Steph. think a lot of this is sort of seen through the eyes of a kid and seen through like oh I know my parents are smoking weed but I don't I, I think that's wrong because drugs are bad you know I feel like we get a lot of like sort of far away looks but then when it's the rainy day and they play Candyland I think that's the really one of the clearest examples of like the the stress and the turmoil she's dealing with and I know I mean I've been there when you're on vacation you're supposed to sort of you know have room to stretch out and you can sort of do whatever and you're cramped in like a rainy day like let's make the most of it and no one wants to be there and it's terrible like I know exactly what that feels like but I feel like all of that bubbles to a head in that scene and I think that's great I think a lot of the other scenes that she's in we kind of get a sense of sort of who she is but not necessarily fully I don't know you see, yeah, I kind of liked that, though, to be honest with you. I liked how um, almost understated 
she was in that sense. Because to me, it was like she wasn't expressing herself. She's dating this guy, and she's just fully committing to kind of his lifestyle. And I don't think it was like necessarily saying like drugs are bad. I think it was more like they were... I, I, one, of, one of the characters just say, this is where adults come to act like children. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I end up really liking her and understanding her by the end of the movie, but I agree with Joey in the sense that like she's just not developed until later and i agree with you too brian is i kind of like it in the sense that um you know she's an outsider she's doesn't really have a chance to speak up because of all of uh steve Carell's friends being so like loud and you see the other women in his life compared to her and she's like the complete opposite of you know what he's usually into apparently like he likes these louder boisterous more party people and she's just a, you know a quieter more normal um motherly kind of person I guess and you know it just isn't as much as a party person and uh, I don't know if the movie is trying to like use her to sort of set up the other characters first like that right like bounce you know like uh, Allison Janning off of her and then Amanda Peet bounce her off of her and all that kind of stuff and then we get to sort of open up with Tony Collette's actual character after that I think it would have helped if you know there were sort of we got a sense that her and Steve Carell were having problems right from the jump, maybe, like right when they got there. Um, just some kind of little like side snide kind of thing or whatever. So yeah, that that could have been set up a little bit stronger, possibly. I, I do like, though, how we see uh, Sam Rockwell in the car early on in that intro. Oh, I'd yeah. I forgot about that. So <laughs> in the back and That's cool. And I definitely, I, I kind of want to take the water park stuff as a complete, like a different conversation because it is like a movie almost of, of two worlds. And obviously the water park becomes his escape. I just, like, I don't know. I, I could really, like, relate. His mother was obviously one of his heroes. And for better or worse, and I don't think he's necessarily right, he isn't sure if he's disappointed in her or disappointed in what's happening. And there's just, like, this, like, lump inside of him building that I, I, I didn't like it, but I certainly, like, appreciated what was happening. He doesn't need that water park job, and it just made it more realistic to me that he would just go there as his almost Candyland, his escape from this to me hell scenario because at least like for me if i was him that would be my hell like seeing my mom with this guy i really 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 like do not like who said that to me and i've had i'm not gonna go into specifics i've had like adult figures say similar things to me like that and it's just like again maybe because i could relate to it more i didn't mind all these parts they pissed me off but I like to get a reaction, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, this movie has problems, but I don't think, like, the acting is is it. I mean, even the kid, like, I, I like him, you know, I guess he's fine and everything, but, like, I, I just feel like, you know, Sam Rockwell and Steve Carell and Tony Collette and, like, everyone, they're just so good at their job that, like, they're sort of elevating this material for me almost to a degree. And, uh, you know, they're on vacation, right? So it is, like, the it is kind of hard even if you do like the person that your parents dating it's still hard when you're a kid to see adults unwind mm. um you know and that can like get loose and drink or whatever even though drinking's legal and everything it's still like there's something sort of i shouldn't be seeing this or like i'm not, it's just something that even me as a kid like i wasn't around my parents when they partied like that at all either you know so like i could also just feel like kids already awkward to begin with 
um, all these experiences are just really adding fuel to his fire. Um, and so, yeah, I almost wondered, like, <laughs> you know, this this water park is like a salvation for the kid. It's like basically heaven. Like, it would have been heaven for me, too, at that age, to be quite honest. Like, I, I wouldn't have needed a job either. I would have just gone there every day to hang out and stuff. So it's even better that uh, he starts working there and stuff. Yeah, there's no... And that, for me, could have been the whole movie. I, I just love <laughs> the idea of, like, some just a whole movie that takes place at a water park for a summer and is just, you know, a lighthearted comedy. No, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not against that. It's, it is, like, it is funny, though, that there's never, for him, there's never really talk of pay, right? I, I think he gets paid at some point, but he's not like, oh, I'm doing this for the money. It's just clearly as an escape. Yeah. Any other uh, earlier stuff, I guess, more so with the family before we dive into the, the world of the water park that we want to talk about? Before we take a slide down into the, the pool at the bottom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think the family is definitely the less interesting part of this, and I think that that's where the conflict is supposed to come. They're supposed to learn the lesson in the other world and bring it back here. So I think until we talk about the other place, sort of the, the Candyland, as you called it, we can't really, there's not much more to talk about with the family, the home life. Um, one thing that I guess uh, was a little deficient in the film for me is that I kind of wish there was more sense of where we were. Like, I get it. It, it could, to me, it could just be any beach town, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like distinctly Cape Cod. And I really like to see stuff like that in films. I know that's like nitpicking, but. No, you you know, my biggest problem with this movie, and I had this when I first saw it too, and I had it again up until a very certain line, uh, and I think I missed a line or two, but like what year is this? Like when does this take place? Like I had the hardest <laughs> time pinpointing because there's presumably it's 2013. Right, because at one point Sam Rockwell goes, "Haven't you ever seen Footloose?" Yeah, yeah, it's not a remake? period piece. No, but it feels like it wants to be so bad. Yeah. So honestly, my whole life of knowing this movie without seeing it, I thought it was a period piece, and I was gonna save this to the end, but I kind of wish it was for a couple reasons. Some of them being the stuff that happens in the water park, and and you guys seem like you want to just jump there, you want to dive in head first, or or go on. You know, go on the big slide, so let's just do it. What'd you like about this water park? I think we talked about it already. I think the adult characters here are great. I think Sam Rockwell is having, uh, I don't know if he's enjoying, it feels like he's enjoying making the movie. It also feels like he's like, I'm going to have fun even like regardless of what happens. Like, it feels like he's just sort of like a, a man on a mission to just have a good time here. Maya Rudolph is great. You know, Nat Faxon is pretty good. Jim Rash is great here. I love the whole community aspect of it. There's stuff that I don't like that I will hold off for now, but I think that the the big thing I think we've been talking about earlier, I think Mike mentioned it earlier, was the adults here are all great because I we, we know them from other things and I think they all work well here. And I'd kind of honestly rather have a movie about maybe like, you know, it would be sort of like a downtrodden indie, but like about Maya Rudolph as this woman running a water park having to deal with this man-child in Sam Rockwell and just sort of trying to get by. Like, I think that her character is interesting and she brings such depth to it and i don't know that we necessarily get a full look at her just because there's not enough time to do everybody Mm -hmm. yeah i was almost wondering by the end if her and sam rockwell were together because i think she was filming this at some point when she was pregnant and so at the party she has like the big baby bump for a couple shots (laughs) so i you know i i do wish that um again maybe i don't want it to be longer necessarily but i do want that other movie where it's just you know, self-contained water park, summertime fun, because, yeah, these adults are great. And I love the Sam Rockwell as a free spirit. You know, 
even if it's you know i was maybe just thinking like he's kind of like mythical or like you know he, he can't be he, the kid is probably projecting onto him a bit right like he's making him cooler than he actually is but he's coming across like you know this like this kid's tyler durden almost right like it's like this is like <laughs> this guy's who i want to be i want to be like him and stuff and so i i like I like their relationship. I like that he just doesn't care who he is. He's going to take this kid under his wing because everyone deserves a shot. He sees he's miserable. He wants to give him a great summer. Yeah, no, I, and you're right. He does take this like mythical quality. And now that we're talking about this, uh, I'm agreeing with you guys a little bit in a sense that maybe not 100% at the water park, but I think maybe reshuffling the deck a little bit where we, we don't need as much uh, play with the non-water park stuff. I- I'll still take the cringy moments because I like them and just more of the escape world, more of the Narnia. So Joey, I know you've been alluding to the part you don't like, but th- this world of the water park, we get our little tour here. We get to see who does what. It seems like these people have been there for forever. Um, did you have a uh, favorite parts of the water park or maybe uh, least favorite parts of the water park? And, you know, Michael ask you first, too. How did you think that uh, the little game they played on the top of the water slide translated to today? So did he pass him by going up the side of the tube? I'm not telling you. But I want to know. That's a good thing. Don't die wondering. All right. All right. What's happening? Some kids are up near crazy tubes. Wow. Okay, go ahead. Well, this news travels fast. Go. Hey, can I get a special ride with uh, benefits from a man Duncan here? Yeah, hold on. Uh, you know what? Slide that order. Watch this. Yeah, you gotta use the other one. Sorry. Actually, you know what? I think it's back in order. Okay. So come on, step up, please. Okay, hold on. Just hold there for a sec. Hold. This guy's an artist. Watch and learn. And you are holding? Still holding? All right, I think we're all set to hold a little bit longer. Okay, step back a little bit. Okay, step forward. Okay, stay there. Step back and hold. Okay. Look at him. He's gorgeous. Just about ready to hold. Okay, and go. Okay, go, 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 go. go. I mean, that didn't even go over well in 2013, (laughs) I feel, when I was first watching it i mean my favorite part's when the kids get stuck and they send like the extra kid down to knock them all through like i just (laughs) i've always wondered about that and getting stuck in a slide is like you know it feels like it could be a nightmare and a half so that that was great (laughs) yeah i and uh, it's but it's stuff like the uh what is the game called that they play are you talking about the one that they try to pass each other on the slide no, 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 the one with the girls. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I think it's just like a stop and go kind of thing. Or like, like the wait, object is... wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like pretend that it's broken <laughs> so that a better looking person can go <laughs> first. And then you're sliding behind them. And that's like, that would have probably been funny in like a 70s movie, you know? <laughs> Or like an '80s movie, yeah. so it's a little, it's a little uh, odd here, especially since like the the person directing is one of the directors, I mean literally, but like the person who's running the game, one of them is one of the director slash writers. So yeah, I don't think I don't think that uh, translated well. It's been a while since 2013, so I'll give them that. But if you guys are saying it was weird even when you saw it, then hmm, I don't know. What do you think, Joey? 
I think that this movie suffers in a lot of ways from being six years old. I think there have been so many better movies that just sort of touch on this kind of story to come out than to have this whole objectifying of what I guess are supposed to be like 16, 17, 18-year-old girls by adult men. Like, I can sort of see, on the one hand, in the 70s, semi-exploitation sense of having you know, young boys being like, oh my god, girls in bikinis. But like when it's a 35, 40, 45-year-old man doing it for the benefit of a kid, it's like, what is happening? And they go back to that well multiple times. And it's like, what? What? Like, that does not hold up well at all. No, certainly not. Um, <laughs> at least it's not, I mean, it's weird that they go back to it. At least it's not a uh, significant plot point. Like, at least he doesn't, like, meet the love of his life through that. And they're like encouraging it it's just it's odd because all the water park is supposed to be like our perfect land of heroes and that's you know that's a weird moment to like you know yeah and i think what's nice about or what the movie does well or is it does translate well to 2019 is the fact that the girl that he does have a crush on doesn't fit in with this world that she doesn't want to go swimming with the mean girls that she'd rather be reading a book that when they all you know make a big show even like the movie sort of like highlights them taking off their shirts and you know like showing off their young bodies it's just like that feels a little gratuitous in a way that also i guess for the descendants too i think the Clooney direct the descendants i think and they wrote it but like i remember that was the way that the world was introduced to Shailene Woodley, and it's like, oh, who's this beautiful, like, young girl in this movie? It just feels like they're, for as interesting as the writing is, and I mean, that was a great movie, The Descendants, from what I remember, and it won an Oscar, there's this weird sexualization of young women that I just doesn't quite work. But I think what does work, what I was saying, is that, you know, Susanna, the neighbor, the one that the main kid falls in love with or has a crush on or whatever, you know, she doesn't take her shirt off. Like, she goes in sort of, like, in a swimming shirt, and she's reading, and she's sort of like, she doesn't fit that mold. And I feel like in a more cutting satire or a more critical look at this, like sort of a Spring breakers kind of look at like, this is all kind of bad, which this movie is not at all, I think that that would sort of play even better. But I think, I don't know, I think that she just, she appeals to him because she's kind of an outsider, right? And I think that that persona, that kind of character is way more interesting than a lot of the other the bits and the parts and the weird sexualization of other characters in this movie. Yeah, I loved her, and I loved their uh, dynamic. It seemed like an even pursuit from both of them, that they both found each other interesting. It wasn't this just, like, hobpodge thing together, like, typical girl next door, she's pretty, so I'm gonna try to, like, go after her if I'm too shy, but she likes me for no reason kind of thing. They seemed like they respected, like, the things about each other, and the similarities they had, both coming from somewhat... I mean, broken home is a little too heavy to say, but in terms of... Dysfunctional home. Yeah, yeah, a dysfunctional home, that's for sure. And it's a nice moment when um, she... It sounds weird, but when she stalks him and then <laughs> she ends up going to the water park with him, it's supposed to be his day off anyway. And he, he kind of like, at that point, he's really like a member of the team. So he's able to like show her the ropes and show her a place where he does feel confident in his own skin. And like, that was one of my favorite moments to me when he's escorting her throughout the park. I mean, not necessarily when, uh, when Sam Rockwell is making him feel uncomfortable and stuff. I mean, it's funny. But I, I, I think the moments like after that are, are pretty cool. Does your mom know you work here? No. Oh. Nice. 
Please report to the Administrative Office of International. Duncan, please report to the Administrative Office of International. I have to announce this over the PA. As my voice won't carry that far, my throat suffered major damages during an intense makeout session with Lewis's mom. She has a forked tongue and a touch of the herpes. I don't have a mom. I have two dads. In your face. Hurry. Hurry. Please, hurry up. This is pressing, pressing, urgent, urgent. I can't tell you how pressing. You can't fathom how pressing. How's it going? What's up? Did you need something? No. <laughs> Who's that big guy? I don't know. She's older than me. So what are you doing over here talking to us and not over there sealing the deal with that cougar? Well, maybe, Roddy, if you guys hadn't called me over here. Oh! <laughs> return to your lady friend. Duncan, please return to your lady friend. Please let her know that this conversation was entirely about her. In other news, this is very awkward for you. That's way like... better than the okay. stuff on the water slide, though. Yeah. Like, when he calls him over on the megaphone and to sort of hassle him about the girlfriend or whatever. Like, that's the acceptable kind of shenanigans I expected, not the things at the top of the water slide. <laughs> like, I like where the movie winds up. I like the fact that he grows and he evolves and he becomes better and more confident. I like Sam Rockwell picking on him there, but it all feels like it happens too fast. Like, that's the kind of thing I think that you you tease him about when, like, I mean, maybe not, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, it feels like the kind of thing you tease him about when, like, it's a slam dunk, like, she's, like, they're together. But it's like, oh, I think she might like me. And that's, I, I don't know, it just all feels like it's hurried. And they're just hurrying to race toward an end of a movie. And I don't know why it feels like such a race. And, Mike, I don't know if you noticed, I was talking to Brian about this today, that the movie's like an hour 43, and there's like eight minutes of credits for a movie oh. with no CGI. Like, I don't know why, <laughs> A, there's so much, there's so many credits, but B, why it feels the need to rush through it so much. Like, I think that there would be better opportunities and better character development available and afforded to this movie if they just took a little bit more time to flesh out relationships and dynamics and time. So let's tell two Oscar-winning writers um, what we would do differently, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, I <laughs> no, mean, no, they're no, but very being... good at their job, and I've never written a movie. You know, but I just <laughs> but feel I'm being like... serious, though, in terms of... And, and as we talk it out, I really think, just to go back to this, that if we had maybe just the the car scene, the arrival scene, the scene where we see that Steve Carell actually does have some shenanigans at the crab thing and you know the uh the candyland scene and if we just have those scenes and we devote mm -hmm. the rest to building maybe the relationship with him and the girl and the world mm -hmm. in the water park i think in the same amount of time we can get a more fleshed out movie for the things that we want to see because I think it's yeah. going to have the same effect. Uh, Those key moments in the family is going to have the same effect of what we want, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I think you could actually, you know, the movie I think I wanted by the end of this was cut all the, and I hate to, t I hate to cut it, but cut all the Tony Collette, Steve Carell, even the kid, and just give me Sam Rockwell learning to be <laughs> more responsible at the water But that's a completely with... <laughs> different movie, yeah. you know? We could talk about, <laughs> but like... But it's in here. No, I know. <laughs> but then the other way to go is you you got to really lean back on the water park stuff and, and sort of explore the more dramatic tensions that, you know, that are, that are working when they're there. But again, like Joey says, like, everything feels is feeling rushed. I really don't have a sense. Not only don't I know what year it is, I don't even know what week it is or like what day it is sometimes right and it's like how long have we been here you know a summer rental has a better sense of like the summer and how long they've been down there uh, than this movie so that that's a bit of a crutch here too
I think a way that you could improve this movie is just to simplify, like, minimize the number of characters. If you don't want to completely eliminate either the home stuff or the water park stuff, combine the neighbors with the Amanda Peet Rob Corddry couple. Like, the, the neighbor is the neighbor, mm-hmm. but also the woman that she's that he's having an affair with. And the girl that he has a crush on is just a girl that's around town and not necessarily a neighbor's kid. Cut the eye patch kid out maybe entirely. You know, the the girl can be, like, a friend of the sister, like, you know, because there's a connection to her already. She doesn't have to be the neighbor and the sister's friend, right? Like, they're going to just be one mm-hmm. of those. And then he sees her there, and then, you know, they go to town, or, you know, he shows her around the water park or whatever. Like, I think you can really simplify a lot of that and add to the dynamics of all of that. And then at the park, I feel like minimize, again, you know, as, as much I, I don't want to cut them out of their own movie, <laughs> but I don't know that you need Jim Rash and Nat Fax in this movie. Like, I think that you can just have a lot of the, the fun and games portion, the wacky montage of him doing different jobs. You can have them in both those places, but I don't know that they really add a whole lot. It just sort of fleshes out a water park when I just want deeper. Like, I don't want breadth. I want depth. Ooh, very, very pool words you're using, Joey. I Ooh, like thank it. thank you. I like it. I want a deep end. I don't want a shallow end. <laughs> okay, so um, before we, you know, get into maybe some specific ending scenes and such, why do you think at the time this movie was so beloved and on so many lists, even by yourself, Joey? It was, you said, like, yeah. number 11 or 12. Why do you think at the time people... Lo- I'm not saying this movie is terrible now. I actually really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But why do you think now some people view it with different eyes than they did at the time? Yeah, I don't want to say it's bad. I just think it didn't age well. And I think that there's so many movies, like I said, that have done this better than just to see like a dorky white kid, you know, struggling to get have friends. That's a, that's a story we've seen a million times before. And I feel like, you know, like we were talking about last week, Brian, with Never Going Back, you know, you put a girl in the lead here and I think it's a, a totally different movie, right? Like I think it's a story that we haven't seen a lot. Not that that's necessarily going to happen in 2013, even though it's only six years ago. Like, I don't know. And I think... The story that this is, we've seen a ton. I think in 2013, it was before a wave of newer and better movies. I don't know. I, I Maybe, I don't know. I don't know why it was so much, because I don't think a ton, I mean, a lot has changed in a lot of ways, but I don't know that a ton has really changed all that much that would make me like go from really, really, really liking this to not really wanting to see it again. Sometimes I think, and I mean, it's fair, like, look at who we are. You guys, even more than me, because you have so many more shows than me, but we watch a lot of movies and talk about a lot of movies. And sometimes that's a plus when we see a film like... American Graffiti. Mike, you and I were talking about that recently, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh my God, so much, so much is derivative of this. And because I've watched so many more of these teen films, I enjoy this so much. But something like this maybe gets diluted by all the other good stuff. I think if you show this film to somebody who maybe sees 10 movies a year, they're going to love it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, the podcast audience to get meta here is necessarily that person who's going to enjoy that that kind of thing of what i'm talking about but i I see someone again like my mother maybe watching this film who she watches a lot of movies but maybe a lot of older movies not like the modern indie hits but i I think somebody like that would really like this film because it's it's still a very very fun film to me but i think you're right too joey that We've seen so much better. We've seen so much different. And better is a weird word, but we've seen so much uh, different stuff that it maybe just dilutes what this is. It maybe oversimplifies it. You know what I'm saying? And I think even back then, even in 2012, 2013, a movie that I very much want to discuss with you, 
you know, next year, sometime in your sophomore year, if you let your listeners graduate, <laughs> like the spectacular now, just by focusing on the two of them and like their lives, like that was done so much better. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in years. Maybe I don't like that one either, but I remember back then, like that was like a transcendent experience to me. And this is fun. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if this is necessarily great. I think that's the thing that this was always a good movie. That was fun as opposed to, and you know, over time, fun can sort of wane and good becomes less good, right? Like, great might become better, but good becomes less good. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, fair. Yeah, I think at the time, what uh, pushed me over the edge to wanting to see this was the descendants, was that it's the people... Funny enough, right? Like, no one else... They're not, they're not household names, but, like, we knew them, and I knew of them, and I was like, oh, they made another movie? And like, I'd like to see that, you know? It's sort of like, was that situation? And I guess... I'll be honest, I think my hopes were way high uh, when way, I went to go see way, this. Way, way high? Way, way high. <laughs> um, and plus, Monsters University was just so charmingly adorable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we watched that first. But but yeah, like like I said at the top of the show, like when I first saw it, I was like, you know, it's it's totally fine. Like it, there's you know, it's it's good. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of other stuff out there I just like more in the same vein. And and coming back to it, I had hoped that maybe it had gained some traction, or there were things about it, sort of like the timelessness they tried to sort of you know put on display because there's like there's literally no cell phones in this movie for a movie taking place in 2013. It's kind of it kind of messed with me a little bit um in that regard so you know i think maybe if it was that period piece like we said earlier it 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 might uh resonate a little stronger maybe that's the thing they could have done in 2013 to make it feel separate right and not prey on like 80s nostalgia but maybe go back to like the 70s or even do the 90s or something like that you know like ladybird did the 90s uh, if I'm not mistaken. Well, or no, that was 2000 something, right? Anyway, you know, I think rewatching it, I was hoping that it would be better, and it's pretty much the same for me. Mm. Yeah. Like, Brian, I think this is exactly the example of a thing that we were having the discussion last week with Never Going Back, where, you know, it's it's the kind of movie you've seen before, right? And I didn't know that we were going to have an example of this this quickly, and especially not the one that we were going to, that we already decided that we were going to record next. You know what I mean? But. I think this is the kind of movie that, because you've seen it already, it's sort of like, okay, there's not really nothing, anything new here. I think you can admire things about it. You can admire Sam Rockwell. You can think that, you know, dynamics and things are done well. You can, you know, like sort of moments here. Like, I love Amanda Peet and Rob Corddry in this movie. They're not in it a ton, but I love them in this. But when you look at a movie like Never Going Back, that really kind of, that movie hasn't been done, at least with female leads. Like, you've had gross-out buddy comedies with boys, kind of like how... Booksmart was very simply super bad with girls. It's a new experience as opposed to this is just, oh, that's a fun movie. Yeah, and I know you don't mean to reduce things to that. It's more about like the art itself. It it reminds me of a Hoffman film like Schenectady, uh, New York, or whatever, however the hell it's pronounced. Kyle does it. Schenectady. Schenectady. Yes, Schenectady, New York. And you know, as a satire, he wins a MacArthur Genius Grant for doing Death of a Salesman with kids. And, you know, it's not just about, like, let's change it up here and do the same thing. I think it's just, it's nice to see difference. And not just difference for difference sake. It's nice to see different things that are well made. Um, you know, I guess it's the difference between something like Never Going Back or Booksmart versus, like, the new... Ghostbusters that got panned like that 
to me, a lot of it was difference for different sake, where Booksmart is actually a well-made film from a different point of view. Yeah. Um. So uh, just quickly, you know, the inciting incident here is that uh, Steve Carell, I guess every summer he's been banging Amanda Peet. Uh, I feel like there's been a, almost a different girl every summer, but that this that that was still going on from last summer. Possibly, but it's definitely happening this summer. There's that big blow-up scene where the, I can't even remember, Liam, whatever his name, what's his character name even? Uh, <laughs> Duncan. Duncan. Duncan, yeah. Pop and Lock. <laughs> Pop and Lock. Where Pop and Lock just basically like, you know what's going on here, and like really embarrassingly calls out his mom in front of everyone. I know it's not her fault at all, and I get where he's coming from, but it's like a really, you know, it's kind of a tough scene, and, you know, they end up having that falling out, and that's when kind of... um uh, we kind of get our ending there, or, or I guess the wheels in motion. It finally feels like the movie is at a faster speed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I think there's a purpose, right? Like there's finally tension. There's finally like things are coming to a head. Yeah, and that is a really strong moment. I feel because like I, it is super cringy and awkward, and yeah, you know uh, that's the kind of thing. I guess you know I, I did not expect him to say even the first time watching it. You know, at least not in front of everybody like that, right? Just calling everybody out. Um, but it was a great sort of moment. I, I, I did like... I'm not completely sure if the movie earned it, but I, it still worked for me really well. I think, it, again, like just because of the strength of Toni Collette and all of the little looks she's been given and and, uh, and how hard of an asshole Steve Carell's coming across, like the limited time they're in here, they're making um, a big impact. Uh, so... I, I just the, the thing is though I was expecting like a lot more kind of moments like this I guess and and we only do get the one. Mm, that makes sense. I guess we get Candyland too, but it's not like as public. No. Um, I, again, I do like like just Susanna just like trying to cheer him up. They have a cute little moment, and I like how like he tried to kiss her and she like wasn't into it. Eventually, she just like kind of like I wasn't ready kind of thing. You know, this is where again the movie really kicks into high gear. We get our scenes where. With Eye Patch Kid, and I think the only reason Eye Patch Kid exists is for these like funny water park party scenes with the two of them. Yeah, I was kind of torn on the way he's treated in this movie, right? It's like because when because like when Sam Rockwell is like, "Look at that thing! Check out that! Like you can't hide that eye!" Like part of it is like, "Yeah, you're in, like that's very encouraging," but he's still like ragging on and making fun of I didn't really know like how to take it and read it I'm not sure if they did a good job with Patch Kid in this movie um like what was is he just comic relief and if so I don't want to really like laugh at a little kid that needs to wear an eye patch. like I don't know it just didn't didn't work for me as well no and it's funny because I, I almost kept forgetting that he was wearing that eye patch. I was more seeing him as like this kid among a crazy adult party and it wasn't so much about that like I, I think that was a tad unnecessary you know <laughs> yeah because it's enough just to be like his age amongst all the adults and also to be the youngest of all the kids yeah and also to have a personality of like a 40 year old <laughs> guy or, or even older like a 60 year old guy who like plays chess in the park like that's the kind of kid he seemed like yeah like that's enough for me uh i mean i I wasn't offended but i could see how someone would get offended especially if they had a glass eye or something (laughs) um anything else you liked about like these ending scenes here again even when he uh has his big ending when they're going home and kind of runs back to the the park uh what'd you guys think of the overall ending and the tone there 
well, we gotta we gotta make sure that we call out that this is yet another movie where Sam Rockwell dances, which is you know, as much as I mm-hmm. am frustrated by this movie, I you know that is always a, a good thing uh, when Sam Rockwell dances in a movie, right? So absolutely, I like that of it. Um, I like the Maya Rudolph ending. I think that there is something earned there that you know it's it's sort of his way of you know growing up a little bit. Again, I don't know where this is gonna go because I feel like there's an ambiguity here in a lot of ways that I think is intentional, right? Like we don't know if. Tony Collette and Steve Carell are going to break up or not. We don't know if he's going to bring back this newfound confidence to his daily life or if, you know, Steve Carell or whoever, just the, the, the bullies of his school are going to bring it back, you know, bring back his his inability to be confident, be himself, right? Like, I think that there's something nice about the ambiguity there. I, uh, I just feel like it's all, you know, I've been saying it all episode long, I just feel like it's a little rushed. Like, I kind of wish that we had a little bit, a little bit more, you know what I mean? So what did you like about this film? I've been saying. I mean, I, mean, I like Sam Rockwell. I like I like the ending of a lot of the the storylines. I just the think that the way that we get there, I just don't think works necessarily. I think the performances are mostly good. I think the Susanna is great. Um, I like you know Sam Rockwell, Maya Rudolph, a lot of the adults. Um, I think parts of it are fun. I I just I think that there's a lot of it that could be simplified or fleshed out a little bit. The one thing I was a little bummed about about the ending, and you know how he he's supposed to pass Sam Rockwell on the water slide mm-hmm. and earlier on we have like these gopro shots of inside the water slide and i thought for sure that they were gonna show and even when i watched it the first time i thought for sure they were gonna show something you know even if it was movie magic or whatever like it's a secret mike we can't know but Mm. yeah it's a secret now yep it's it's something between them only um but but there is a nice sense of sort of like triumph at the end of this movie for this kid like I'm not sure if this is necessarily the summer that's going to change everything in his life, but it's certainly a good start for him to be coming out of his shell and, you know, realizing who he is and becoming his own person and, and, you know, trying to at least stand up for himself and, you know, that whole thing and like, you know, become an individual. So at least like he's on the right path as opposed to before where he was just aimless, totally like, you know, a blank almost. And now starting to realize who he is. How do you think um, the water slide thing was accomplished? Is it a two-person <laughs> so, thing? You think both people have to I, do something, right? Yeah, I think that the guy in front of you has to sort of lean back and grab your raft and try to swing you while you grab his raft from in front and swing somehow, and then your feet have to be involved with the sides to a degree, but who really, you know, who knows? It's it's. I was imagining Sam Rockwell sort of uses the drier parts up top mm. to... Um, to just sort of pause himself a little bit and then let Duncan come down and then sort of, you know, sort of ease him by. And then as he eases by, you know, grab his ankles or whatever, make sure you stay with him. Mm, yeah, that's that's very possible. Because <laughs> we, we know it's, we know it's possible answers. to get stuck, right? Like, as Mike was saying before, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you can get stuck. So there is, you know, sort of friction of a certain kind as opposed to just three bodies, you know what I mean? So I don't think it's... Uh, crazy to think that that's the possibility that's that's how it happened were you guys big water park guys growing up i've been to a water park exactly twice in my life once was action park Ooh. that used to be didn't people in die New there isn't that like a death well, Johnny, I doesn't don't johnny, know. johnny knoxville own that he does does he own it no he just did a movie about it he did a movie but uh, i don't know if anyone actually died but people got injured a friend of mine got hurt pretty bad <laughs> so, um but i didn't know any difference and then one one year down the shore when i was like 14 i think there was um went to the water park uh down at the Jersey Shore, and uh, that was like a huge one, kind of more like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then uh, the one when I was in Japan, the, my big trip to Japan when I was 15, we went to this huge Japanese uh, water slide 
arena thing and it was pretty incredible i love how that was such like an oh by the way moment or like oh yeah you know that one time <laughs> the one you know, time when i was of high school 20 age, years ago <laughs> when i went to this amazing 25. japanese water park <laughs> it, i mean it i was 15 i'm 40 now like it was so so long ago <laughs> how about you joey i'm trying to think i know that we've i've been to you know i would say most of my water park experience comes from like amusement parks that were half amusement park half water park and I was always the kind of person who was like, well, I don't want to get wet and then go back to the amusement park. Mm-hmm. Like, I never wanted to commit to that. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think, like, were there a lot of water parks around here? I don't know that there... Not, not really. I don't know that there were, right? Because I mean, we, we had the shore. Like, the shore is an hour away. I feel like that's... Yeah. Splish Splash. Like, Splish Splash yeah. in Long Island is one of, like, the best were, best water parks in the country. I've never been... There was always, uh, like, waterworks down in, like, Seaside. Yeah, Seaside. That's the one I've been to as a kid. But as an adult, water parks kind of gross me out like all those oh uh, yeah sweaty i would never go now (laughs) some people do (laughs) and and also i'm a glasses wearer i can't wear contacts so me going down a water slide is literally going down a water slide you know legally blind i don't like roller coasters to begin with or or like thrills like that so just the idea of like blurry water and then you're you're dunked and i come out and i can't see a thing essentially water parks are not for me We'll yeah. I am a lazy river guy. Give me a lazy river and I'm there. <laughs> you need like prescription <laughs> goggles. Yeah, that would yeah. Be, I should get that. That would be cool. <laughs> I remember this this one ride at Action Park just seems I mean, they all seem dangerous, but like people were just flying down like this river rapid slide thing and you would sort of go down a slide and then there'd be like a pool and people would be hanging out there, then there's like another slide and another pool. And people were just like coming out of the slides and like like without their rafts and like flipping left and right and shit and i actually ended up going down the last one backwards Ooh. and it was like one of the scariest fucking things i was like this is just happening just accept it there's no way you could stop this the river the ride has taken over <laughs> uh so anything else you want to say about uh the way way back before we do our procedurals of grading and renting some movies together well i did want to say before we go off the theme of water parks is that a past guest of this podcast, two episodes ago, Christian Larson, uh, he has led expeditions. I don't know if you, I'm sure you know about these, but we sort of made our own water park mm. in the Ramapo Reservation, where oh, we yeah. would take water rafting trips down, river rafting trips down the Ramapo River, and the, it began with us buying two rafts from Walmart.com. One of them, instead of having a raft in there, had an air mattress. We're like, this sucks. Air mattress makes it down the river safely. The r- other raft that we actually had popped. So we're like, oh, let's save a lot of money and just get air mattresses. So we would buy air mattresses. <laughs> we would go down 20, 25 people deep at some, pro- some points. Wow. You know, anywhere from like 5 to 20, 25. And just, you know, drink and eat and just have a good time and play river baseball. And I have a life without water parks. We made our, we turned the world into our own water park, Brian. That's the most special water park of all. The world's a canvas. You did it. In the Joey Way Way Back movie, you would have found your voice on the river on an air mattress. Oh, I've got stories about that. Not fit for air. Not not anything debaucherous, but just things that I do not want to share on air. <laughs> not not fit for air mattress. Mm. Oh wow! I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assume, Joey, you lost your virginity going down the river on an air mattress. <laughs> oh, I wish that was the case. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. What was that too? Just like six years ago? No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> that would be interesting though, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's all very public and in the open like there's not really an opportunity for that unless you like sneak away to the woods also you're like in people's backyards a lot of the time so like there's a lot there that wouldn't necessarily fly <laughs> certainly interesting when you told me that like originally i guess like a year or so ago i was like whoa that's 
That's an interesting concept. Never heard of that. So that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, it was the best. It was the best. Uh, anything else with the way, way back, though? Sam Rockwell quotes my favorite Bonnie Tyler song, Holding Out for a Hero. But he <laughs> does that thing where I know that you sort of have to do it just so that the audience isn't like, what the fuck is he talking about? But where they quote a thing and then they describe what they're quoting. I'm like, I kind of wish that there wasn't the explanation. Like that it's a joke for people who know it and not a joke for everybody else. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, I don't get that. And then you look it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's funny because um, I totally agree, Joey. I feel like that kind of uh, kills the joke in a way. And and uh, Brian, you mentioned we were talking about like uh, American Graffiti recently. Like they do that a lot in American Graffiti where there's just like all these inside jokes between characters that are never explained and you just, you know, you're with it or you're not. And it's great. And you know what that does for a movie when you don't explain it? It gives it more rewatchability. Like, oh, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. catch that. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, but it just... No, that's a total. It's a total gold member moment, right? Where gold member, if you've seen that terrible movie, where like <laughs> you know he's like he's like take me to Funky Town and run, and then he says like the name of the band, you know, and it's like guy, we all right. Is that is that a th- <laughs> you're trying so hard? I'm hurting right now. <laughs> is that a third of a franchise? Yeah, it certainly is. When will we get that episode, Mike? <laughs> um, probably never ever. <laughs> I wonder why that would be. All right, guys, let's let's do it. Let's rate this movie or grade this movie Uh, spoiler alert but maybe maybe our last grade of summer school Ooh, ooh. all right who wants to go first (laughs) what are we rating it oh we do stars now right no 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 no, not stars can you not listen mike you are failing summer school you have to repeat summer school (laughs) you're gonna you are you're gonna have to repeat summer school mike it's a plus i'll be in school forever i'll be in school forever (laughs) oh that's right that's right that's right i remember now my caramba I I'm gonna give this. I'll give it a. I'm giving this a. Hmm, man, I want to give it a C plus, a B minus. What am I gonna do here? I'm gonna give this. Um, you know what? I think I'm gonna give it a B minus because of the strength of Sam Rockwell. <laughs> I think. Otherwise, it's a perfectly fine C plus. But uh, tonight, I'm feeling generous, so I'm. You know, I'm going with that. Mr. Lewandowski, Lemons. You know, if you would have asked me in 2013, I probably would have given this a B plus, A minus. I think now it's just a, it's a straight up C. I think it's not bad. Let me be clear. And I, I think that I've sort of gotten this point across, but I haven't said this explicitly. I think I'm as harsh on this movie as I am because of how much I liked it at one point. Mm, you know what I mean? Sense. Like if I had never seen this movie before and thought it was fine, I'd be like, oh, that was fine. Like I like Sam Rockwell. But I think because I liked it so much and because I was looking forward to rewatching it, and talking about it, and the fact that it didn't play out the way that I wanted it to, that de- sort of depresses yeah. me. And yeah. as such, I'm not going to be generous to it because this is the kind of movie where I know that I'm like I don't have to watch this anymore, or I could just watch like I could watch probably there's there's got to be like a YouTube compilation of like Sam Rockwell's best <laughs> moments or Sam Rockwell dancing in this movie. You know what I mean? Like oh, they're uh, just Sam Rockwell dancing across well, yeah, for film sure. history. Dance machine. <laughs> you know, it's it's a C. Like it's not bad. I think it's perfectly fine movie if you if you want to watch if you want to enjoy it. By all means, do that. But I just I don't think compare you know in the grand scale of the seventy movies that you've talked about in this podcast. Whew, it's you know it's in the middle or toward the bottom I think it's not you know it's not it's not great it's fine you know it's in, it's an interesting feeling when you revisit a movie you liked a lot and you come back and you're like ah man I wish I still liked it that much and I'm I got a lot of that sensation in the uh, opening part of Hanks for the Memories Joey so like you know revisiting these movies and I think you could hear it on the episodes it's like man I love this as a kid and coming back as an adult it's like oh boy I just wish I 
could still like it uh, as much <laughs> as I did, you know, and uh, sometimes that's just, you know, the way it goes, but... Uh, it, yeah. It's funny because it's also similar to something that I've known happens to you, Joey, because we had it on Anna the Apocalypse. There's, you've seen something you like and now you don't necessarily like it as much, or you should like something because of all the yeah. ingredients, and you just don't, so you're a little harsher in that way as well, but I think that's just human nature, you know? Yeah, very well said. I gave this a B- minus as well. It's perfectly fun. If someone likes this movie, I'm not going to, like, shit on them. But like, why do you like that film? But it's not something that I'm going to, like, write home about or necessarily recommend to everybody. But when I see it in a, in a prism of just, like, a fun summer film, especially, like, for what we're doing here in an end-of-summer piece, and there's a lot of moments that are very redeemable to me. And I did relate a lot to the main character. Not that I went on summer vacations with my family like this but i don't know there was a lot of things i related to and i think b minus is still a good score despite having the word minus in it but again it's it's not nearly an a film or anything like that <sighs> all right guys fun part sleeping bags let's do it <laughs> i can't believe that we've, we've gone through i was thinking about what i would bring it's not this but i can't believe we've talked for about an hour now that i've not mentioned the, the water park's name is water whiz Ooh. Bad on us. Pretty terrible name. Oh, yeah. Water whiz, yeah. Water whiz. Especially when you think about, because, you know, Brian and, or one of you were saying about how you think, or both of you were saying about how it's kind of like icky and non-sanitary <laughs> and like <laughs> the, the idea of just whiz in the title of just kids peeing in the pools. Like, you know what's happening. You don't need to bring your attention to that, right? So, who oh boy. I think I know what um, what I'm bringing. What are you bringing? Um, is there such thing... A waterproof sleeping bag so you don't pee the... No, pee, you know, no. pee it leak out as you water whiz in, in, the, in the middle of the night? Not a waterproof sleeping bag, but a water bed sleeping bag. Ooh, so like, yeah. You know, it's like a big water bladder that you get into and zip yourself up inside and it's all like moving around like a big water bed. <laughs> I like I it. I like that. I like it. You know, you could go a real minor interaction in this movie and take a Star Wars sleeping bag because Patch Kid is playing with mm. Luke and Leia as they're making out. He's like, you don't you know their brother and sister? Who cares? Um, <laughs> I'm going to... <laughs> I like that I'll do a Pac-Man. Oh, okay. I'll do a Pac-Man sleeping bag. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, not on my quarter, don't do the pattern, carve your own path, cut your own path. Um, That's right. Get greedy, sort of... go for all the ghosts <laughs> and the cherry. That's a good I one. just like a lot of the like the little bits, like, you know, the Sam Rockwell with the Pac-Man, Sam Rockwell just eating a Pop-Tart, like, that's his breakfast. Like, he's such a man-child that he's still eating Pop-Tarts for breakfast. Like, you do a Pop-Tart sleeping bag. You know, I think that there's a lot. But I'll, I'll go with a Pac-Man sleeping bag with, with some cherries on it. I'm not bringing a sleeping bag. Ooh. I'm going to take the back row from the way, way back of <laughs> of the station wagon out, and I'm just going to sleep on that wherever we are. I don't like that a lot. <laughs> or if I had to have a sleeping bag, it's definitely going to be either REO Speedwagon themed or just like the wood paneling. Or it's going to look like the wood paneling. Cool. I love that idea. <laughs> All right, new segment. Well, it's not so new anymore, but if you guys aren't familiar. New to me. <laughs> if you guys aren't. But it's weird because I've been on the show, but only in the openings. Like, I haven't been on the, you know, the body of the show. Yeah, this is your first, so this is your first official. Stop objectifying the show, Mike. It just, it just because it has <laughs> a body. Such a good, you don't need to point such it out. A good, but its body is, oh man. My, body be banging. Mike's, I be banging. Mike's a body I guy. I be banging. The true body guy. But, uh, uh, it's rent two movies, get one free. So we have two guests. Yes. So the movie that we've already rented is The Way Way Back. What else are we renting to make our weekend, guys? One each. 
Okay. Mike, go for it if you have one. Um, yeah, okay, so I got one. I got a, I had a spare in case Joey went first and picked mine, but I got one. I've only seen this movie once, and I'm actually, after watching this, it made me think of it so much that I want to go, like, rent it, or I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Uh, it is the Kristen Stewart movie Adventureland. Mm. Mm. That was going to be my pick, Which... Mike. That was going to be my oh, pick. Oh, was it? I mean, no, no, was no it but, really? but I'm not picking. I'm not <laughs> picking, so. Oh, I, oh, right, right. Yeah, because, you know, that's kind of as close to this, uh, to what I want as it gets. Like, that just takes place at a amusement park all summer. And it's great. And Jesse Eisenberg, if I'm not mistaken, is the new kid that, that shows up there. And Christian Stewart shows him the ropes. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what else what else happens. i got to rewatch it, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing it again. Yeah, I was hoping someone would pick that. How about you, Joey? You know, there's a lot of different ways that you could go. You could do The Descendants and do another Jim Rash Nafaxa movie, although if you want to get into, like, negotiating the land buy of islands in Hawaii, that's maybe a little bit of a downer. <laughs> I, I love can't it. believe I remember what bridges. that about. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm a big Alexander Payne guy, so don't diss my descendants. Oh, no, by no means. I like that movie a lot. Um, you could go with uh, The Spectacular Now, which I love and adore, but I don't know necessarily thematically how much it has to do with each other. I'm going to go with a movie that I did not necessarily love. I liked a good deal when I first saw it, the only time I saw it. Um, but I think that it would fit in nicely with the themes of this movie. I'm going to go with a movie called The Kings of Summer. Hmm. Oh. Okay. What's that about? I had never heard of it. I want to say, let me actually bring up the back of the DVD. <laughs> so I remember that Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman himself, is in it. It's about three boys frustrated their overbearing and dysfunctional parents. Three teenagers carry out a plan to leave their families behind to build a house in the woods and live off the land, taking their destiny into their own hands. And it was directed by Jordan Vote Roberts, who went on to direct yes. Kong Skull Island. Skull Island. So yeah, there's think... rumors he's going to do Metal Gear too. So mm. that would be cool. Yes. Yep. 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 And he also directed seven episodes of Year of the Worst. I mean, he's a pretty good director. Um, again, not a movie that I loved, but a movie that I really liked and I think would fit in, especially with the summertime theme. Before you, you know, we don't want to rush you back into school, but if you want to have a kid setting out on their own. A movie that you've not covered yet on this podcast. I think Kings of Summer is a pretty decent choice. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it sounds like it. Uh, I've seen uh, Ventureland once or twice. I haven't seen that film, so I think we're gonna have a I think we're gonna have a fun uh, rest of the weekend, guys. <laughs> Our full last weekend of the summer slumber party. And I appreciate you guys for coming on. Of course, the originators of the network and all the good things that are happening and all the things that have happened in the past like monkey club too like there wouldn't be there <laughs> wouldn't be a monkey club if there wasn't a cage club and that's the most important takeaway from today's episode i think agreed <laughs> all right guys uh what do you want to plug what do you want to say to the slumbers before you get out of here mike i will let you go first um fridays are for fun hell can yeah I say, can i start there hell yeah uh, joey are. and i are 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 in the middle of the Tom Tom Club, which has been really interesting and a lot of fun and a little challenging along the way. But alternating every Friday, uh, we are doing Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. We are going through their entire oeuvre, all of their work, um, alternating every week. It, it, we're really getting into the good stuff. Uh, I mean, Cruise has been good, but like Mission Impossible was a great rewatch, and all this Hank stuff, you know, um, it's been a little uh, the rocky waters, but we've gotten past the great Joe versus the volcano, and we're on to sort of smoother seas, I mm. think. We got in, bonfires. In, in, in another week or two, after, after we navigate a bonfire, um, we should be pretty good for a while. But uh, yeah, True. so Fridays are for fun. That's been great. A lot of fun. 
Well, every Tuesday, there's Too Fast, Too Forever, and Mike will be on, I think, next week's episode, because this week, that as we're recording, as this, actually, hold on, let me, let me do the math here. So as Never Going Back comes out, it will be the Italian job. Actually, this week, as this episode comes out, Mike will have been on Hobbs and Shaw. So go check that episode out. And then we're going to do our relap recap and set up for lap five next week. So every Tuesday for now, Too Fast, Too Forever. Then every Thursday, we've got Boyfriend Material burning through the movies of Ryan Gosling. We are now stuck in a, uh, as we're recording, stuck in watching Young Hercules and Breaker High, two TV shows he was in in high school, basically, where it is so much TV, not meant to be binged. <laughs> and it is proving very difficult. But after we finish that, we are then probably going to, this is going to be a exclusive here, because I know that, you know, I feel like there's crossover here between your audience and what we're doing in, in a way. But starting in October, October 11th, when our next quarterly Magic Mike's episode comes out. We are then going to bring that podcast weekly, too, and we're going to go through all those movies one week at a time. So lots of hunky men being discussed by two straight white dudes who juicy just watch too many movies. Two juicy boys. <laughs> and then every Tuesday, a bunch of juicy boys over on Too Fast, You Forever. Paul Walker, Thin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Tyrese, Ludacris, everybody, all your favorite juicy boys and girls. All over there, too fast, you forever. Awesome, and you know that's pretty much uh, the majority of shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. <laughs> so <laughs> no, we've got we've got twenty five, baby. We got a lot of Nico. Nico's putting out like three Fair. or four a week. Fair. Two X Men a week. Two <laughs> He's taking HTML over. A week. It's a lot. <laughs> He's like a triple, you know, like on Star Trek. Like you give him one show and the next thing you know, he's got like four or five shows. But no one's complaining because triples are so like cute and adorable and stuff. So they're good to have around. Well, on that note, thanks guys so much for stopping by. You know, you're always welcome here in the slumber party. And uh, hope you guys had a great summer. Hags! into a slim gym and of course i've relented summer's over summer school is over i've had a good summer you've had a good summer you've graduated congratulations this isn't the end this is just the beginning as next week you will officially become sophomores and i cannot wait for the awesomeness that our sophomore year is going to be. And next week, whew, we're starting off on a spooky note. Check your calendar, guys. Next Friday is Friday the 13th. So naturally, our film's going to be, nope, not Friday the 13th, because apparently that's not a high school film. It's going to be, well, what's your favorite scary movie? Is it Scream? Hello? Hello? Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? 
Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'm just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? Because I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Who did he make the rules? The police are always on track, but they watch prom night and save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. One of the greatest horror films of all time, according to some lists. I can't wait to break it down on Friday the 13th. And our guests will be, well, they kicked off the Halloween season last year, and I guess they're kicking off the Halloween season this year. We start Halloween early here, folks. And it's Autumn and Dan Ferrara. So big thank you this week, of course, to the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, and our resident historian, Mike Manzi. I had a blast talking with them. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode, too. So your homework, though, is to watch Scream, come back next week, listen to the episode, and tell us what you think on social media. Of course, don't forget all the other homework I said before. Rating, reviewing, telling a friend, chatting with us on social media, checking out all the other great shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me cageclub.me and once again congratulations congratulations on becoming a sophomore it's going to be a fun one a lot of great movies planned this year some things that are new some things that are old some things that are different i can't say this is enough but i really really can't wait so (sighs) time to hit the hay time to rest ourselves we got a big year ahead of us So I leave you with a song off the Way Way Back soundtrack. It's by Wild Bell. It's called Shine. It's a song I really like. Hope you like it too. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Really appreciate it. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.